evening. I'm back. Wednesday night, hump day night. Thanks for joining me as always. It is much appreciated for the second time today. And of course, as I say at the end of almost every podcast, I will be back if something big enough breaks. And to me, this Patriots news that came out a few hours ago is absolutely big enough to break. We've been talking about Elliot Wolf being the de facto GM of the Patriots organization over the last week or two. It was obvious with Macro being sent down to Mobile, Alabama, Wolf staying up here in New England and Foxborough with Gerard Mayo, conducting the interviews for the coaching search on the offensive side of the football. It just made sense. If Grow was down in Alabama and Wolf was back here working hand-in-hand with your head coach, it would stand to reason that Wolf was the guy who was running this operation. Well, now it's official. Ian Rappaport earlier today posted, worth noting for the Patriots, it appears Elliot Wolf will be in charge of the personnel department with control of the 53-man roster working closely with Gerard Mayo. Matt Groh will mostly handle college scouting with Pat Stewart heavily involved in all aspects. Andrew Callahan of the Herald followed that up with this post. Sources confirmed director of scouting Elliot Wolf has personnel control in New England. So here we are. Now official. Everybody was asking, who's making the decisions? Who's running the ship? Who's going to be the guy? Well, right now, as we know it, Elliot Wolf is your guy. Elliot Wolf is running the front office. Elliot Wolf is making these decisions. Elliot Wolf is number one when it comes to personnel at Gillette Stadium. And I've got to be honest. I love this. And you know, if you've been watching, listening to the podcast for the last couple of months, I've said from day one, and I'm going to stay consistent. If you're going to keep somebody from this front office and anoint them as the guy and eventually appoint them as the top guy, that guy should be Elliot Wolf. Elliot Wolf, if you're looking in-house, is the guy to get this job. So there's plenty of reasons why I love this move by the Patriots given that they were going with somebody inside the house. First of all, and most importantly, Wolf is qualified. Don't get it twisted. Elliot Wolf is qualified to run the program for many reasons. This is somebody who worked in the Green Bay Packers front office for 14 years. He slowly moved up the ladder and eventually was the director of football operations before John Dorsey who was also part of that Green Bay front office, took Wolf to Cleveland to be the assistant general manager. So Wolf is somebody that has worked at many different levels throughout a front office. He landed here with the Patriots a few years ago. He is somebody who is qualified. He is somebody who is very, very respected. Neil Stratton, author of Moving the Chains and Scout Speak, he posted this earlier today on X slash Twitter, check and mate. Elliott was honored by his peers as one of the 10 best scouts executives in the AFC in 2021. Whether or not he holds the GM title, this is long overdue. This isn't a Homer speaking. This isn't a local reporter speaking. This isn't the Kraft speaking or Gerard Mayo or anybody else in that front office. These are not sources within the Patriots organization blowing smoke up the skirt. This is actual, realistic, qualified people telling you that Elliot Wolf is qualified to do this job. He is more than qualified to do it. Before I move forward, 
Want to thank all of you for your super chats. Cool, genuine Phil jumps in. Go Pats, go Celtics. I'm not going to touch the Celtics trade during this podcast, Phil. I will get to the Celtics trade for Xavier Tillman tomorrow. I'll give you a hint. I like he. We'll do that tomorrow. But tonight, it's all about Elliot Wolf and the Patriots. I appreciate your super chat as we get rolling here. If you want to jump to the front of the line and not have to wait for me to sift through some of these comments, then you can send a super chat. You jump the front of the line. And, of course, you also contribute to the show. Benny's Ben says, the hardest working man in Boston sports. I don't know if I'd go that far. A lot of people work hard, Benny. But, uh, hey, man, if I'm chilling and I'm chilling and there's a breaking news story, it's not if, it's when. Are we going to cover that? And for me, waiting for some people to get home, not to do this in the middle of the afternoon. Hopefully, many of you have already had dinner. You're chilling if you're on the West Coast and we're in the middle of the afternoon, 3 o'clock Pacific time. So I figured this was the perfect time to do this. And I appreciate everybody coming on in and joining me. Don't forget while you're here to give us that thumbs up, especially during a live show like this. We're usually on at 11 a.m. Eastern. So when we're off hours, all the likes mean the world. So just take a second of your time and hit that thumb on YouTube. Also, while you're there, you might as well subscribe. Trying to hit to 2,000 subscribers by March 1st, so you can help us with that and send your comments along. If you're watching on Facebook, you can give us a like, Twitter, and X as well. Here's another reason why I love the idea of Elliot Wolf being the shot caller in this front office. He's not a Belichick guy, and we've all been talking about this. If you're going to move away from Belichick, and inevitably, you're going to have some people with links with Belichick. We all know that, right? I mean, the guy was here for a quarter of a century. It only makes sense that at least some people will be held over. But Elliot Wolf, yes, he was a holdover from the front office, but he's not a Belichick guy. He came up with Green Bay. He went to Cleveland. He's had a lot of experience, 16, 17 years of front office NFL experience outside of Foxborough, outside of of the Belichick circle. And to me, that means an awful lot because that means we're going to have some fresh thought leading the front office. And as much as, you know, Wolf wanted to speak up, and I'm sure he did, as much as he wanted to say to Bill Belichick, as much as he wanted to do things differently than Belichick, he wasn't allowed to. Belichick had the final call. And we all know, it's just like any other business in this world. You're not going to try to usurp the power of the person that runs the whole damn thing. It's a bad idea. If Wolf wanted to keep his job, then he was not going to go out there and fight Bill Belichick about everything and try to do things his way and call people behind closed doors and do a bunch of shady stuff. He's a non-Belichick guy. So let's have some fresh thought and some fresh eyes in this front office. New ideas, creative ideas. Elliot Wolf was known when he was in Green Bay to be very, very aggressive. Now, those moves didn't go through because he didn't have the ultimate call. But Wolf was very aggressive coming up with trade ideas, looking at free agency. So I have a lot of hope and optimism that Wolf is going to do business differently. Now, that might not be the case, but that's my hope. And I hope that they're a little bit more aggressive. And I hope that when it comes to the draft, they do things differently than they have since 2015. So you're not talking about somebody who is die-in-the-wool, Belichick loyalist, who's going to follow the Belichick laws and rules. This is somebody who's from outside the organization, been here for a few years, but wants to do things his way. He also has a vast network. And the reason why I like that is, number one, you get to have conversations with people across the league. 
you know people in front offices. You have relationships with people. When you have relationships, you don't have to look any further than the Celtics, right? And Brad Stevens making multiple deals with Memphis over the last few years. When you have relationships in the front office, from front office to front office, it opens up the line of communication. And it allows deals to happen much easier than if you don't have a relationship and a connection. So the fact that Elliot Wolf has a big, big network, he has the ability to pick up the phone and talk to somebody with another organization and work on a trade without much of an issue. He has laid the foundation for this day for the past 17, 18 years. So he has that vast network. It also means he can bring some new blood into the organization, which he already has started to do. We'll get to that in a minute. Charlie says he's chilling for sure. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie, for jumping on in, joining the program as always, my friend. I appreciate you. And thank you so very much for the super chat. Again, if you want to jump in front of the line, you can certainly do so by sending a super chat. I try to start at the very top of these comments and move on down. So if you want to do that, that's how you do it, as well as contributing financially to the show. Eric says that he's uh, feeling good about it. Feeling good about it so far. Talking about the offseason and how things are getting started and what's happening over the past couple of weeks. James jumps in and says, great show. You should change your banner to Boston Sports Talk Made Interesting. Ah. Should have talked to you about my tagline, James. Sports talk done different. Kind of like that. But made interesting. I guess it's interesting in the in the eye of the beholder, right? Or whoever's listening. If it's interesting to you, fantastic. That's what I'm trying to do here. So let's get back to the idea. And again, thanks for the super chats. You can continue to send them. I'm certainly going to take them with open arms. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to subscribe. Yes, we are live on a Wednesday night home day. Talking about Elliot Wolf having full control over the Patriots roster as reported by both Ian Rappaport and Andrew Callahan earlier today. Talked about this idea of new blood. New blood being brought into this front office. And this is something that I know many of you, many of you have questioned me about. Many of you have commented. Are they going to bring an outside voice in? Are you going to be able to you know, bring new eyes and new people into this front office? I know many of you were desperate. You were desperate to see other people be brought in, get outside the Belichick bubble. Well, Elliot Wolf has begun that process because also what we found out today is that Alonzo Highsmith is a new addition to the front office. Chad Graff, Manny Navarro, Bruce Feldman wrote at The Athletic about Highsmith. The Patriots are finalizing a deal with Highsmith to add him to their front office as an executive and personnel. Ian Rappaport tweeted that Highsmith is going to be a senior-level executive, i.e. Highsmith's going to have some stroke. This is not we're bringing in Alonzo Highsmith to be a minion. Highsmith is coming in to work alongside Elliot Wolf, which he did for a number of years. He's going to work with Wolf hand-in-hand in this front office. This is a senior-level position. Don't know about titles yet. Don't ask me about titles. I couldn't care less about titles. I care about who's doing the job and that we know who's doing the job. So Wolf and Highsmith are going to work hand in hand, right? Highsmith also very respected. He worked for the Browns. He worked for the Seahawks. And of course, he worked for the Packers. Again, he spent many years with Elliot Wolf. 
We talk about relationships all the time. We talked about relationships when Gerard Mayo was made the head coach. We talk about relationships now that we know Wolf is the guy running the show. Wolf is going to rely on people that he's worked with before, people that he has relationships with. That's how the NFL works. It's how the NBA works. It's how everyday life works. Relationships. Highsmith was the main guy for the Hurricanes when it came to evaluating prospects. Inside the program, according to Miami sources, he was seen as a big asset because he had such a keen, trained eye. Coaches and personnel, staffers leaned on him. Everything filtered up to Highsmith, but ultimately Mario Cristobal, the head coach of the program, was the final decision maker. Highsmith, who's brought in by Wolf, highly regarded. Taylor Kyles from CLNS posted this on Highsmith. This is what he did before Miami. Again, you want to talk about experience. You want to talk about outside the Patriots program. Highsmith was the senior executive for Green Bay from 2012 to 2017. He was the vice president of player personnel for Cleveland, 2018-2019. Wolf, at the same time, of course, as I said earlier, was the assistant GM. And then Highsmith was a consultant personnel executive for Seattle from 2020 to 2022. And I know that Greg Bedard, my buddy from Boston Sports Journal, was on with Felger and Maz earlier today. And Bedard said that he had heard John Schneider, who's the GM and the number one guy in the Seattle front office, speak very highly of Highsmith. Believes he's a very good talent evaluator and that he, he creates fantastic relationships between the front office and the coaching staff. And he really gets people. He's a smart guy. Ian Rappaport posted about Highsmith. He's one of the more respected evaluators around football. Mike Giardi posted this at Boston Sports Journal today. Highsmith has been a talent evaluator for the Hurricanes. And if you're wondering how Miami did, if you're not big into college football, Miami signed back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes. So Highsmith, talent evaluator. They brought in back-to-back top 10 recruiting classes during his time at Miami. We're talking about guys that are experienced. We're talking about guys that are respected. A lot of people, and we're not talking about the locals. We're talking about a lot of people in the game of football will tell you. Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, very respected within the game. Their talent, talent evaluation skills are very good. They know a ton of people. Highsmith's been in football for like 30 years. They know a ton of people at the NFL level. And now with Highsmith, the last few years at Miami, he also knows a number of people at the college level. So Highsmith has strong, strong professional and college ties. Patriots also hired Bobby Brown back from Houston. He was a cap guy last year for the Texans. He worked in football administration here with the Patriots before then. Again, more, you know, reaction to the Elliott Wolf promotion as the guy. If you're just joining us, welcome in. Water's warm. Grab a cold beverage. Enjoy yourself on a hump day night. Talking about Elliott Wolf being the new man in control of the Patriots 53. Belichick out, Elliott Wolf in. That's what we have. Wolf replacing Belichick in personnel. And here's some more compliments. Texans Cap from OverTheCap.com. He posted, always been a fan of Wolf and Highsmith and the Ron Wolf tree. 
curious to watch their work in the coming years. And, you know, again, Highsmith, a, a trusted confidant of Wolf. Andrew Callahan posted that Wolf climbed the Packers' front office ladder with Highsmith. They worked together from 04 to 17, and then they both moved to Cleveland together. 29 years for Highsmith experience as an NFL player, scout, and executive. And another voice and another set of eyes from outside the New England system, outside of that New England front office. Love it. Also love likes. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Another reason why I love the idea of Elliot Wolf. Let me see. He's not Matt Grow. <laughs> and my apologies to Matt Grow, but he's not Matt Grow. And from day one, when when the Patriots moved on from Belichick, said in that front office, the guy I want is Wolf. The guy I don't want is Grow. And I'm not discounting Grow. He 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 certainly could have some ability in scouting. And I know, look, Tyquan Thornton and some other picks have been tied to him. He has certainly had a number of misses from what we know. But if you were asking me Wolf versus Grow, it was Wolf 20 times out of 20. Not even close. I mean, so I'm I'm happy that Matt Grow seemingly didn't get close to touching the power. And he's going to do what he should be doing. He's going to be wor working in the scouting department. But there's going to be a lot of other people above Matt Grow in this process. And the reason why Again, he had his misses, reportedly. Also, Matt Groh was a Belichick loyalist. And I just don't want Belichick loyalists. I did not want somebody who would run this front office the same way that Belichick ran the front office. That would do every single solitary thing the same way that Belichick did it. Groh came up with Belichick. Groh was the son of Al Groh. Al Grow is a Belichick guy. Belichick kept pushing, pushing Grow up the system. He's not qualified to be the director of player personnel. And this move tells you that. Because if Matt Grow was qualified for the title that he had with Belichick, who gave him that title because he was a loyalist to Belichick and was going to be his right hand man, if he was actually worthy of director of player personnel, do you think Matt Groh would have been working with contracts and free agency? Would he be working on the NFL side? Yeah, he would, but he wasn't doing that. He had the title of somebody who would be working within the NFL talent-wise and working on free agency and working on trades and contacting agents, but Matt Groh wasn't doing that job. Grow was actually doing the scouting job. Elliot Wolf was the guy who had the task of picking up the phone and talking to agents and fellow GMs and working on trades. He was the guy that was hammering out contracts and working on free agency with Belichick and, and, and agents. Not, not Matt Grow. So Matt Grow wasn't qualified. He wasn't qualified for the position. So I'm glad. I'm glad. Matt Grow not running this operation, Matt Grow, not in charge of the 53. To me, that's great news. Stick him in the scouting department. But you've got Wolf, you've got Highsmith, you've got Mayo, you've got Patrick Stewart, 
You have three or four and maybe even more guys. I don't know what's going to happen with Cam Williams. He's very highly regarded. Cam Williams could be above Mac Rowe. So Grow could have gone, you know, from the second guy in power, quote unquote, down to like fifth or sixth. And if that's the case, I'm fine with it. Fine with it. Elliot Wolf, he has experience with pro personnel. He's respected when it comes to evaluating pro personnel. He's respected by agents and people within the game. So to me, you've got experience and you've got respect. Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, and Patrick Stewart. All right, let's get to uh, some of your comments here. Bramble Tree, not Bramble Tree. I don't know how the hell I read that as Bramble Tree. Bramble Bray, sorry, 24-21. Front office A, coaching staff C. I don't have a problem with DeMarcus Covington. I don't think anybody has a problem with DeMarcus Covington. Special teams, I don't care. I'm so, I just, I don't care. What I care about with special teams is that you don't devote as many resources as Belichick did. I don't want six or seven guys on coverage on this roster. I don't want to be trading up in the fourth round to draft a kicker who's not good. Special teams, whatever. The coaching staff stuff and people being angry about the coaching staff and, and disappointed all comes down to the offensive side of the football. And again, I think we have to look at this as far as expectations and, and what realistically the Patriots could have done on the offensive side of the ball. The young guns, the young guys, not many of them, if any, were actually interested in taking this gig. Others had other jobs they were going to. We've been through this before. So given the circumstances, do I love the Alex Van Pelt hire? No, I don't. Do I hate it? I don't. I think it's fine. I like it. It makes sense. We covered that over the last couple of podcasts. The Ben McAdoo hiring, I'm fine with. I'm perfectly okay with Ben McAdoo. We've gone over that the last couple of days. Some of the other moves that they've made on the coaching staff, hopefully we get to those tomorrow. I think there's some promise there. But really, when you talk about the co coaching staff, you're talking about the offense. C, all right, if you want to give it a C. Overall, I don't know, I'd give it a B- minus because I like Covington, and Covington should have been the D.C., so I'm fine with that, and I'm fine with moving away from Joe Judge and Cam Acord because they weren't doing anything. Nate Johnson, thanks for the news. Appreciate all you do. I appreciate you joining me, Nate. I appreciate every single one of you joining me. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Don't forget to comment. Don't forget to subscribe. Trying to hit 2,000 subscribers by March 1st. And these breaking news shows, they help us do that. If you like what we do here, if you love what we do here, join the program, join the family, join the community. We're trying to create an alternative to some of the other resources that people have regarding Boston Sports Talk. That's what we're trying to do here. We're not saying that those guys and women don't do a good job or they don't do it the right way. We are just trying to do this a little bit differently than they do it. And if you appreciate that, give us that thumbs up, throw in a comment, and don't forget to subscribe. To my Spotify, Apple Pod people who are getting this later on on this Wednesday night, Rate and review. Those five-star reviews mean an awful lot. Doug says he needs the magic touch for this team to be watchable in 2024. Yeah, I mean, I think at some point we're going to cover how far away this team is. I know that's been a big conversation over the last week or two. How truly far away is this football team from, from being competitive? It all starts with the talent. And 
the Patriots front office of Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith and Patrick Stewart, those guys, they have the resources. We know that, right? They have tens of millions of dollars they can spend, and they have a top three draft pick. And they have a, a really good defense coming back. That is the foundation of this team. Amstel says, now we can hold someone accountable. Yes. I'll get to that more in a minute, but yes. That's why I don't care about titles. Everybody's been making a big stink about, oh, are they going to hire a GM? Are they going to name a GM? I, I couldn't care less about the title. I don't care what Elliot Wolf is called. I don't care if he's called the czar, the GM, the man of the hour. I, I, I don't care what the hell he's called. What I care about is knowing who has the decision. And Elliot Wolf has control of the 53. Whatever his title is going to be, we know now who is at the top of that organization in that front office. And it's Elliot Wolf. And that leads me to Robert Kraft. I couldn't care less if you take this as me kissing Robert Kraft's tuchus. I'm not. I think it's perfectly fine to give credit to an owner when the owner comes out and gives us transparency. In a time when the Red Sox are hiring Theo Epstein to try to cover their ass and make everything sound a little bit better because John Henry and Tom Werner are incapable with their stupid and silly full throttle comments. In a time where the Bruins ownership is just missing like always. We obviously have no issue with Wick Grosbeck. He's been fantastic. But at this time, when you're moving on from Bill Belichick, who's been here for almost a quarter of a century, it is crucial that you are clear with the plans. And when you sit in front of the media and you tell the media and, most importantly, you tell the fans of what to expect that you actually follow through. So the fact that Robert Kraft is following through on his comments from the Gerard Mayo introductory press conference, I think is a good thing. And I'm going to give him credit for that. I've been saying this, those who have watched the podcast before, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but to reemphasize the point, Robert Kraft sat there during the Mayo introductory press conference, and he told us, he told us that there is going to be a number one in the front office. There will be a person that makes the final decision. He also told us that we would know who that person was going to be. And thirdly, he gave us a timeline. Kraft said that we would know that there was a number one, who that number one was, and that that number one would be known before key decisions are made. And that's precisely what happened. RKK set the expectations. And the fact that he met the expectation is good news. I've said it. If this didn't happen, if we got to March and we had no idea who the number one was, I would be criticizing Kraft from pillar to post. And he would deserve that criticism because he told us what to expect. And if you fail to meet those expectations, then you should be criticized. Much like the Red Sox failing to meet the full throttle expectation that Tom Werner set. That was BS, and they should be called out on that BS because when you say full throttle, you set the expectations for Red Sox fans that it's going to be a legitimate offseason with money spent and bringing in stars. And when you don't do that, you should be called out on it. But when you sit up there at the Mayo press conference 
and you tell us, oh, there's going to be a number one, you'll know who it is, and you'll know who it is before key decisions are made, and we go tic-tac-toe with that puppy, I'm going to give you credit. Because fans deserve transparency, especially during this transition from Bill Belichick, who's been here forever. They deserve the transparency. They deserve the expectations to be met. And that's precisely what Kraft did. We now know that there's a number one, somebody in control of personnel. We know who that person is. And that person has been put in that position of power before free agency. They've been put in that position a couple weeks before the combine, which is fine by me. Before the combine, before free agency, before you have to figure out the tag process, before all of that, we now know. And as Amstel said in the chat a few moments ago, we now know who to keep accountable. If things go badly, it's on Wolf. If they swing and miss at the three pick, it's on Wolf. That's a good thing. Like, comment, subscribe. Every thumb counts means an awful lot to us. If you trust Wolf, I think that should mean that we give the offensive staff the benefit of the doubt. I'm not telling you it's going to succeed. And if they stink out loud, I will be the first one at the front of the line yelling about Alex Van Pelt and Ben McAdoo and how they've absolutely freaking stunk. Now, as I said earlier on the pod today, which you can check out, we did have a pod this morning. We go 11 a.m. Monday through Friday live on YouTube. Talent matters the most. I mean, if if Elliot Wolf gives Ben McAdoo and Van Pelt a crap sandwich to work with, I'm not going to kill those guys for mediocre results. I didn't kill Bill O'Brien. I criticized him about some of his play calling, but he was given a really tough hand. So we know all of that. But when we walk into this season, if you trust Wolf, and everybody's telling us that Wolf is fantastic, then I'm going to trust that he's not going to put an offensive staff together that's going to be deplorable. Could be wrong at the end of the day. We have no idea how any of these guys are going to perform their jobs. We don't know if Wolf's going to be successful or McAdoo or anybody. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because I do believe that Wolf, as we've talked about, is qualified for this gig. And this is one of his top priorities in that job is to find the offensive staff. Might not have been his first choice, his third choice, but I trust that they're putting a staff together that is going to give us at least better than what we've seen the last couple of years. And if not, they get thrown out. It's not guaranteed success. It's benefit of the doubt. As crazy as it sounds, because I know as a talking head, I'm supposed to jump down people's throats. When somebody has the job for the very first time, I understand there's going to be somewhat of a learning curve. And I also understand they don't have a track record. So to me, when you start with a blank slate, you deserve the benefit of the doubt. We're starting from zero. If you do something good and it works out, I give you credit. If you do something and it sucks, I criticize you. And at the end of the day, we balance out the credit versus the criticism. And that's how we judge how somebody did their job. I know that might sound full of common sense. That's how I look at it. I I can't sit here and tell you that any of this is going to work from Mayo on down. I have no idea. But I will sit here and tell you that I will give all of them the fair shot and I will give them all the benefit of the doubt. 
And if they stink, I call them out for it. If they succeed, they get their flowers. That's how it works. Not going off of perception. I'm not going off of narratives. I'm not going off of any of that. I'm going to judge them on the job that they actually freaking do. And I'm also going to appreciate and respect the context and within them doing their job. That's how we look at it here at the Nick Cattle Show. It's how we do it. It's how I love to do it. And I hope many of you love it as well. Like, comment, subscribe. Means a lot. I would also say you could do a lot worse rolling with the Green Bay Packers, right? I mean, the Packers have won so many damn football games over the past 25, 30 years. They have proven to be excellent at evaluating quarterback talent. And through coaching changes and through quarterback changes and all of that, the Green Bay Packers have been a constant. And they have been a highly, highly successful football program. So if you're going to follow in the footsteps of any program, I would say following the Packers' footsteps makes a lot of sense. If you're going to learn or you're going to pull talent from an organization, the Packers' organization is pretty damn good to pull from. Tons of winning. All right, I do have some questions about the Elliott Wolf hire. It's not all going to be rainbows and sunshine. I'll get to some of those questions in a minute. Smart Name jumps in and says, are our top front office positions sorted out now, or is there still room for Mike Borgonzi? We don't know. I mean, right now it certainly seems like it's Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, Patrick Stewart, Matt Groh. I would think that Matt Groh is helping run the scouting department. Alonzo Highsmith and Wolf are the tag team combo working on NFL matters. Patrick Stewart is probably tap dancing between those two because Stewart was down in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. How Cam Williams factors into this, I don't know. But he's another guy who is very respected. Very respected. Eric asks, any word on wide receiver coach? Not yet. I know there's been people that have thrown out the idea of Chad O'Shea because Van Pelt has experience with O'Shea. Of course, O'Shea spent some time here in New England for a number of years. I know that Bedard has thrown out the idea of Edgar Bennett, former NFL running back, who is the current wide receivers coach in Vegas. But we haven't heard much of anything about the wide receiver coach just yet. So we'll we'll have to wait and see on how that goes. Rob Landry waves. Hello, Rob. Nice to see you. I appreciate you. Daniel jumps in. Again, if you want to jump to the front of the line, send the super chat, you can do that. Nick, you're always knocking it out of the park. Well, thank you. I haven't missed a pod yet. Well, thank you. Seeing a lot of quarterback gurus being hired. Is this a collaborative group that will decide on the quarterback to be drafted, or is this to salvage Mac potentially? I think it is to find the next franchise quarterback. And I touched on this a little bit earlier today on our first pod, <laughs> not this breaking news pod. But uh, what 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 the Patriots are doing right now makes a lot of sense to me. Ben McAdoo, highly thought of when it comes to quarterback evaluating. We've gone through it. You can listen to the details again on the prior pod. Alex Van Pelt obviously played quarterback at the NFL level has been a quarterback's coach for more than a decade in the NFL. 
Elliot Wolf. I just mentioned the Packers system, right? You have Wolf and Highsmith coming from the Green Bay system. Wolf and Highsmith understand how the Packers look at the quarterback position. Understand that process. And so if you're taking guys from that Green Bay system, again, who else has done a better job at the quarterback position than Green Bay over the past 30 years? So Elliott Wolf and Highsmith, their experience at the quarterback position in the front office means a lot. The on-field staff, they're adding more and more and more. So I think absolutely, if you look at how this staff is being put together, there is a lot, there is a ton of focus on getting the quarterback position right. And that's smart since the quarterback position is the most important. Alan jumps in with a super chat. Thank you, Nick, for keeping us up to speed. I try to do what I can do, Alan. I appreciate you. I know you've sent super chats before and uh, can't say enough about that, your support of the program and uh, throwing in some five bucks at me. I, I always appreciate that. William. William Sprague says, Nick, you're amazing. You're back again. Yeah. I, I don't know if everybody's happy that I'm back again, but I am back again. And I'm back for a second time today. Uh, so I, I don't know if everybody's thrilled by that, but I know that many people want to hear about this stuff. They love talking about this stuff. And we've been talking about this, William, right, for the last couple of weeks. And Alan and James and all of you, Charlie, who have sent Super Chats tonight, we've been talking about this. Who is going to, you know, lead the charge? It's the biggest question that was left. And now we have the answer. It's Elliot Wolf, which I'm happy with. I like that. Hudika X, this is good news. The fact that Elliot has been able to bring along some of his people is a good sign. Yes, allowing outside people to come in. More brain power. More brain power that don't look at everything like Bill Belichick would look at it. Got to change some things up. All right, with that said, I do have some questions. The Patriots are going to be a collaborative effort here. Again, Wolf is going to have control of the 53. Of course, he's going to get Mayo's thoughts on it. Mayo, as the head coach, is going to talk with Wolf in the front office and say, this is my vision of what this roster should look like. We heard the guys down in Alabama, the scouting department, and Matt Groh and Cam Williams and others talk about explosive players. And if you want to be explosive on offense, you've got to bring explosive players in. So that's good to hear. But, of course, Matt Groh also said, if you want fast players, you draft fast players. And he drafted Tyquan Thorne. <laughs> but we'll see what Elliot Wolf does. So when you have a collaborative effort, it doesn't always work. So that's one question I have. Will the collaboration be efficient? The good thing about this collaborative effort is that Wolf and Highsmith have the relationship. And that's why I always talk about relationships. Wolf and Highsmith have worked together for years and years and years. They can probably complete their own set their, each other's sentences when they're talking about player evaluation at this point. So the idea that Highsmith and Wolf have worked together makes you feel that they're going to be completely comfortable with this arrangement. And you have to imagine that Highsmith was told blatantly and frankly what his job is going to be in this front office, what his role is going to be. And you would imagine Elliot Wolf having full control. One of the first things he did, along with the crafts, because it has to go through ownership, 
and with Mayo is break down how this is going to work, what each person is going to do. At least that's what I would hope. So will the collaboration be efficient? Can you get through the infighting? Can you get through some of the back and forth that's going to happen on free agency, on draft night? Who has the final say for the third pick? That's a big question. I would expect, I would anticipate the Crafts to have a big say with the third pick. I'm not telling you they'll they'll make the final call, but I think any ownership group, when you talk about a top three pick, I think any ownership group in any sport is involved at some level. I can guarantee you that Wick Grossbeck was in on those conversations when Danny Ainge was going to trade the number one pick, go down to three, and draft Jason Tatum. I can guarantee freaking T you that Danny Ainge did not make that decision unilaterally without a phone call to Wick. Not how these things work. So if you hear people say, oh, Jonathan Kraft's going to be involved, Robert's going to be involved, of course they're going to be involved. They're the owners. It's the third pick in the draft. They're not going to be, you know, getting the, the Heisman straight arm from the front office. They're going to be involved. Any ownership group would be involved. The million-dollar question is, Will they be involved to the point where they want to make the decision? That's when you have a problem. But I would expect ownership to be on the phone with Elliot Wolf. I would expect Jonathan Kraft and Robert Kraft to have conversations with Elliot Wolf and others about, hey, what are we going to do with the third pick? I expect meetings with everybody. That's how this works. This is not new to New England. So I would expect ownership to be involved with the third pick. As long as they don't make the decision, I'm fine with it. That should be the expectation. Tom says, Nick, thanks for the super chat, Tom. Uh, again, you can send the super chat to jump to the front of the line and contribute to the show. Thank you for the super chat, uh, Tom. Says, Nick, seems like Mayo had a shot to shape the coaching staff and kind of struck out, and now Wolf has the juice. I wouldn't necessarily say that, Tom. Again, Mayo was not going to put together the offensive staff. Uh, Mayo certainly, I think, wanted Nick Cayley, but that wasn't Mayo striking out. Again, I don't think, when you look at the offensive staff, I'm not going to make that an indictment on Gerard Mayo, and you might disagree with that. But we have to remember that Mayo inherited what he inherited. Mayo inherited no quarterback, no offensive tackles, no wide receiver one. No tight ends signed to the roster on 20, in, in 2024. One running back and Ramondre Stevenson and nobody to back him up. So, you know, when you look at it, that's not an indictment on Mayo. It's rather obvious that he went after guys, McVay and Shanahan guys, right? Like Zach Robinson and Kaylee and others. But I don't think the fact that, you know, Mayo didn't land Zach Robinson or Nick Cayley. I don't think that tells you that Mayo swung and missed and it, you know, it was his fault. Zach Robinson was going to go with Raheem Morris. Fact. Th that was already figured out. It'd be like if Bill Belichick got a job. Josh McDaniels was going to go with Bill. That's how it works. Again, relationships. So Zach Robinson going to the Falcons, that's not an indictment on Gerard Mayo. It's the fact that, again, relationships, Robinson, Morris, 
Robinson goes to Atlanta. Not only does he have a relationship with Raheem Morris and has coached with him, he also has more talent. He has more talent in Atlanta. They're missing a quarterback. Patriots don't have a Drake London. Patriots don't have a Kyle Pitts. Patriots don't have a B. John Robinson. Patriots don't have that offensive line that Atlanta has. So I think Mayo did most of what we wanted. Right? Tom says we had 11 guys turn us down. That, that's not That's not known. They interviewed 12 guys. The only guys that we know that went to the finalist round, Luke Getze and Nick Cayley. We don't know. You're, you're buying the narrative that's been thrown out there by some people, Tom. Zach Robinson reportedly, you know, was brought in and Mayo would have had interest in him, but we just went through the Zach Robinson stuff. Nick Cayley is a guy that was brought in and was reportedly the lead finalist. And whether it was money, which is not a Mayo call, it was the roster, which is not Mayo's fault, or if it was Kaylee just saying to himself, I want to stay in L.A. because Sean McVay always turns out these coaches that get paid and get top jobs. We don't know. I mean, Mayo can only sell so much. You can't go in there and try to sell somebody on a Mercedes-Benz when you're working with a 2001, you know, crap car that's falling apart. So he can only do so much. But to say that all 11 guys turned him down, no. As a matter of fact, reports are have been out there, and I know Phil Perry said this, and, and one other person, if not two other people said this, that Alex Van Pelt was looked at as the guy who was going to be the Ben McAdoo. What I think is that Mayo's plan was Nick Cayley, offensive coordinator, and the senior assistant of the offensive side was going to be Van Pelt because Wolf had uh, history with him. And then when Cayley backed out or whatever happened there, they brought in Van Pelt to interview for the OC job. And then it was quickly done within 24 hours. Now, was it quickly done because they didn't have anybody else to go to? Or was it quickly done because Van Pelt won them over? I can tell you that Luke Getze was available. Luke Getze came in for a second interview. Luke Getze was there. They decided Van Pelt over Getze. Getze now is in Vegas. Other questions? How much influence will the Crafts have? We don't know. I would hope they give Wolf the power to make all of these big calls. Of course, they'll be involved, as I said, but I don't need them making the decision. And inevitably, when someone has never done a job, there's question. I can't guarantee you that Wolf is going to succeed. Can't tell you he's going to fail. He's never done the job. He, he's never been the number one guy in personnel controlling the 53. I give him the benefit of the doubt but it's not a guaranteed success. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for coming on by during this breaking news podcast tonight on a hump day. Don't forget to give us that like. 
Thumbs up means the world to us. Every like means more eyeballs as we try to build this community and brand. So make sure you give us that like. Make sure you uh, leave some comments as well. And subscribe. Trying to hit 2,000 subscriptions by March 1st. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. with maybe some more breaking news the way this is going. Either the Patriots or the Celtics breaking news. We will absolutely talk about the Patriots and Celtics. Obviously, the Celtics made a trade tonight. I will get in on that. Xavier Tillman, your newest Boston Celtic. So we'll have that tomorrow at 11 a.m. Until then, again, thank you for joining me. It is much appreciated. Love the support. Love the interaction. And uh, we're back tomorrow. It's the Nick Cattle Show.